Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our guest today is a musical artist and libertarian who crosses genres, busts economic paradigms, and defies propaganda pressure. A thoughtful, honest, and fearless performer, podcaster, and so much more. It is a privilege to have with us today the great Eric July. Welcome, Eric. Oh, thank you so much. That introduction was lovely. I appreciate that so much. But most, most definitely, I'm uh, glad to be here. Well, we really appreciate your time. And uh, I wanted to first, this is a question I, some people I really want to know the answer to, which is you're obviously uh, a free thinker and I'm thinking you've always been that way, but when I read your bio and some of the things that you've said that you weren't always a libertarian, and I guess for me, libertarian goes hand in hand with pulling back the curtain a little bit, seeing some truth that other people don't see. And I just want to know if you had an aha moment, maybe like a little bit where you came from and how you how you open your eyes and other people did not. Yeah, um, it's a great question, and I tell the story all the time about how, of course, I grew up a leftist. Um, not, I'm not a, you know, I don't keep that a secret or anything. I grew up a hardcore leftist, and I was still stuck in this definitely this like racial kind of box of nonsense. And I remember entering college, I went to the University of Memphis directly out of uh, high school, and um, I went down this sort of rabbit hole of uh, economics, right, and. At the time, I was so, again, still stuck in this racial box, and I wanted to know about the black economist, of course. And and thank God um, I came across the likes of both Thomas Sowell as well as Dr. Walter E. Williams. And it, it completely changed my life. Um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you read something such as the first page of really basic economics by, by Thomas Sowell and talking about how the first law of economics is scarcity and the first law of politics is to completely ignore that. And, and, and just little stuff like that and, and learning about economics from more so the standpoint of, OK, yes, uh, you know, it's not just numbers and, 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 and playing around with graphs or anything like that. It's more about, you know, this human human interaction. And obviously that set me down the rabbit hole of the Chicago school and then going to Austrian. And once I hit Rothbard, it was no turning around from that. <laughs> you went uh, to full Rothbard. Yeah, I went, went full <laughs> Rothbard. It was never any, it was really not a, not that long of a grace period at, at all of me discovering that stuff. Because again, when I say I went down a rabbit hole, I was like obsessed with this stuff and, and wanting to know more about how the world worked from an economic standpoint. And learning about some of the other, uh, other, uh, you know, like again, the more often with the Hayek turns in the Rothbard and and all of that, and it's just, I learned so much in, in that short period of time, and it's one of those things. It's like Thomas Sowell does, for example, a great job of explaining the world that way, and just how it it, it it can just click right there because he didn't attempt to explain economics in a way of using numbers and graphs and stuff like that. It was more of a way of what anybody could die in, in a way that anybody could digest it. And like I said, one thing led to another and here I am. Well, let me ask you, I wasn't going to, I wasn't thinking this way, but when you mention it, there, I, I think, who was it who first came up with it? I forget. But this idea that the economics means of value creation is about actually creating value and the political means is about is by appropriating the value that other people create. 
And I feel like there is nothing more empowering than the message that uh, the fundamental, like page one economics, where you can, the pie can get bigger if you add to it, you can get, you can make your slice of the pie as big or as small as you want. If you're not into materialism, you don't have to do it. See, that's the thing that drives me crazy about the socialist communist thing is that actually the problem is you're not allowed to not contribute materially. You don't right. get to value your leisure the way you want to value it. It's not necessarily about greed. It's about power. And that is so contrary to the political message we're getting. And and I feel like if 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 there is a lever that is important in the racial politics, and I don't mean like real racial politics, I mean exploiting racial right, politics. Right. It's it's a, a fundamental disempowerment. So they can't, people cannot really understand that message and keep the political structure in place the way it is. Absolutely. And that's, um, I think, why they are so, you know, hell bent. And I talk about this a lot about how when you look at the educational elites and, and how they are the most protective guys of like the institutions that exist as they do right now. And I often call them like uh, the propaganda wing of, of more so the state is because once that information gets out and once the other people do have that aha moment, it, it, you understand how everything. And that's the I guess the harsh reality of it is that you learn that everything that you had been sort of taught that you thought was true was everything but that. But you were told that because, like I said, the institutions as they existed um, and that sort of structure needed to be that way in order for their particular like political power to to continue to be as such. So um, it does not benefit them to actually educate people like uh, though we call it education. It's not necessarily what it does, but it does benefit them that you actually learn things. But how do so few people bust through that thinking. And I think this way about truth too, just generally, not just libertarian freedom and that truth, but the propaganda stuff, that truth. Uh, amazingly few people can bust through that. And I have to believe, and this is when I want to kind of ask you about some of your entertainment experiences. I have to believe that it's just, or in my experience, when I had a radio show, it was my peers who out of concern for me wanted me not to go crazy, you know, and say crazy stuff. And I'm like, but I have proof. I can show you that this is the way it happened. But that was just me being crazy. Like, don't go there. Just don't do that. And how do you, I just, the reason it, the way it happened to me is that I had a call-in show and I was reporting on the Boston Marathon bombing and I would have, I was really paranoid about being embarrassed when people would, you know, I hated reading the news and everybody, like even the callers knew more than I knew. So I would like overstudy, over prep. And I looked into it and I was like, oh my gosh, like these details don't add up. And people did pressure me to kind of keep that stuff under um, my hat, but I just couldn't because I was preparing for that kind of interaction. But I would never have opened my eyes to that if I hadn't been under that kind of public pressure, whereas I, I think a lot of people still don't open their eyes. So what made you different? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a stubborn person, believe it or not. Like, I mean, my mother will attest to that for sure. And I was always stubborn and that I, I did things because I wanted to do things for better and absolutely for for the worse uh, more often than not. But that that helps, uh, you know, when when doing that. But, you know, it, I was unhappy definitely as a musician to to just toe the line because I don't feel like that's what artistry is about. 
um, uh, as an entertainer. That's not what it's about. It is about legitimate expression, not just expressing the way that people want you to be. And I got the same exact pushback when I started. I was in an old band. That band still is going on. Uh, their sign called Fire from the Gods. And I remember when I started to talk more about my my more like the political stuff and the economic stuff. One of the songs still live called The Capitalist. That's the little name <laughs> of the song called The Capitalist. And I can I remember just seeing how the shift because when I first joined the band, everybody was so welcoming, right? And when I dropped that song, it, uh, when when the band dropped their song and they actually heard the lyrics, right? Uh, the attitude seemed to just completely change with that community out there in Austin, Texas, and and, and them feeling some kind of way. That ended up ended ended up obviously me leaving and forming the band that I have now. And the whole point of backwards our band now was we were going to we knew what we were getting ourselves into. And uh, you knew you were going to get that pushback. And we were like, we have to be as unapologetic as possible from the get go. So they know what to expect. And we're not dealing with any kind of nonsense. And of course, um, we've been they tried to undercut us. They tried to do uh, several things to try to not have us be successful. And uh, ultimately, there's nothing that they could do but to go on tour with other bands and uh, hear their merch guy or their drummer talking about what it is that we say. And they say, man, yeah, you got to say uh, and I agree with a lot of that stuff. And it makes me think, but man, I couldn't say it. Or or if I you know if we did say it, they look at the consequences that they would have. And that's kind of what it is, I believe, with really the vast majority of different subcultures that a lot of people hold the positions that are more politically or socially expedient because it comes with a set of uh, and, and maybe even often they they don't even believe what it is that they claim to believe in. It's just convenient. Right. right. It's convenient. And that's that's how they've always thought. I wanna, it's easy for them. Yeah. They say the same things that are acceptable. I, I do theater and stand-up comedy, done it for oh, so years you know. in acting, and I know so many people who are secret conservatives or secret libertarians, they won't tell people because they're afraid of the backlash. And especially with improv, you see it on the stage how it manifests. Half the scenes are about how much people hate Trump. And, and other people <laughs> – I've been in a scene before where – I can't even remember that what I was saying, but somebody came up and entered the scene unnecessarily as a Vox News character to call out what they perceived to be like misinformation within the scene. And of course, I started calling that person a Nazi the rest of the scene if we're going to play that <laughs> game. Yeah. But yeah, do you find that it's hard to – I'm assuming you guys are uh, doing it yourself, booking your mm. stuff, but do you find any pushback on? Oh no, hands kick? hands down. I mean, that's that's what I mean when I say undercut, is that you know we've been passed up for tours, uh, big tours. I just one I won't name. Maybe you can connect the dots because I don't want to put them on too much blast. But there was one big tour that is no longer around now. You probably can guess this in our genre metalcore, uh, doing the hardcore stuff in that because my position on Planned Parenthood. Uh, and being, I didn't want the, obviously them being funded by the state, uh, that position alone got us passed up. Now, keep in mind that though we're a band, we're, we're more of the mid tier. Uh, we still dropped an album, our, our album backwards, Ver veracity was the name of the album was the number two heat seeker album in the, uh, on billboard, right? Number two heat seeker. Uh, look at all the sound scans for that week. We had the number five hard rock 
um, you know, at lunch, you know, when we first put out the record. So all of these bands that we would even tour with, we outsold. We had more support then. It's just it comes with a set of pushback because it's like it's almost like they can't have that information getting out there. Um, and it's a very bizarre thing because when you think of music, you normally would think of, OK, this is about expression. This is about uh, you know, freedom in, in, in that regards and having all of those ideas. And it's really not that at all when it comes from a, a subcultural thing. They have their uh, ideas, which is general leftism, that they want to protect and they cannot have people like ourselves um, in that mixing it up because for whatever reason, they find that as a threat because they need to, I guess, to keep that information under wraps. So you're going to deal with that pushback if you're in any industry that's almost exclusively left as like like us. But I will say that I, I do get you know, obviously we had sold so many records. They've been people would have been stupid not to have us have us on some of these tours so when we did end up touring with some of the bands one of the most awesome things at least for me would to it would be me you know i get go 30 second rants on on like the stage and stuff I was good for that and there's always someone that came after the show and would be like man i'd never heard it that way uh you word it that way but it made sense and that has always been my rule if i could just one person out of, you know, we play in a venue, 500 cap venue or something like that. If just one person comes out of that, maybe they don't actually understand it then and there. But they, they go down the rabbit hole that I did and maybe they get it six months from now or a year from now. To me, that that is absolutely a victory. But I think we need more of it because, again, it, it, it's just straight monopolization of, of the ideas and they don't want anything else really deviating from that. Well, I think that's uh, a strong strength of yours and why it's such a threat is that you're very good at the just simplifying the message. This is what because I think it's because you truly like intuited it. You brought it into yeah. yourself and much easier. And But the funny thing, the irony and. We have a mutual friend, or I should say, I have a friend who I think you know, which is JJ Boogie, who's the mm -hmm. guitarist for Arrested Development. So I told him that we were going to talk, and he sent me a, a question, which I do want to get to. But one of the, the points in his question was that he feels like most artists don't have, he said, have the balls to rebel against the state. They scream and yell resist, but they're all bootlickers in the end. And that's the irony is that people will come up and act like they're the ones who have the courage. I mean, Binkley and I have talked about this yeah. many times. Like, I think, who is the guy who does um, Curb Your Enthusiasm? He was just Larry like, David. yeah, F Trump, you know, oh, and it took a lot of courage to say that. It's like, it takes no courage to no say courage. that. Yeah, like There's Stephen no Colbert's monologue every night, no courage. <laughs> no courage at all. And I just, that, that's what frustrates me is that it is that to truly speak truth to power, you know, to truly say something, even that you just believe they'll tell you like little kids, you know, it's okay to be different and just, you know, embrace your difference, say what you really think. And if you say like, uh, I'm pro-life, like that's not okay. You can't nah. say that, you know, I was a smoker, cigarette smoker. It's like tolerance. Like when you guys have no tolerance for things that you don't like and, Anyway, so I just I feel like there's a, a, a real hypocrisy and it's and it and it belies like a more shallow thinking of the people who parrot it or that they are just in it for themselves. And I call it the ethical glass ceiling. They won't look beyond the truth that works for what they want. And then you've got this thing where you have the pressure and then you feel 
shame and economic, really yeah. economic. It's the economic cost which disempowers you again. So I, I think that it is really, yeah. it's such a, it's the worst hypocrisy I've seen out there is that two-faced, be strong and no, don't be strong. The people I know who are secret libertarians, and I'm serious, like it'll be 3 a.m. when they, well, not lately because everything's been closed down, but the, the club will be closed and they'll kind of look around and be like, Hey, come here. And, you know, because they got to talk yeah. about their secret libertarianness when everybody else has already left. And it's because they fear they won't be able to get work and they won't be able to book no. jobs. I, what you said a moment ago, uh, I've had luck with those one on one conversations, people coming up after yeah. shows and stuff. That is that seems to be when the message is most effective is when they're away from that crowd, that mob mentality. Absolutely. No, I 100 percent agree to you uh, well, with that, that point, because mainly, mainly what it is, is that. I look at like what I do, uh, entertainment, no matter what it is, I look at it like it's this sort of communicative barrier or communicative ice is what I always call it. And that I've already broken that because they liked what it was that I did, maybe from the, they liked the music or something like that. It wasn't necessarily political as far as where they got. And, um, you know, when when that's ice is broken, you'd be surprised how much information people would be willing to soak in or look into when they are isolated from uh, a lot of the nonsense. But that's the difficult thing to try to detach people from that, because, you know, if it depending on where you're at. Whether you're involved in, if you do, are you, if you're open about this, your position, it's going to come with some sort of, of of pushback, and this is why I encourage more people to do it because it's not going to stop until more people are like, yeah, you ain't got to beat people over the head with it, but you don't apologize for it. If you know it's wrong, let it be wrong, and you don't have to adopt the position of the general crowd. But it's hilarious that for whatever we reason, these weirdos, and we deal with this in in in, in metal and punk where you get these sort of folks that have somehow like to think that they're the ones that are part of the resistance groups or they are the rebellious ones or they are the 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 revolutionaries when all of their catchphrases or slogans their political positions mimic that of the educational economic and um, political elites. It's just complete nonsense that they have somehow pretended as if they are the ones that are the 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 revolutionaries uh, when, when it comes to this, when all of their positions, again, just mimic that of everyone else that is not only around them, but is co-signed by these gigantic corporate entities and and all of that. So to, it's, it's a weird thing because a lot of people want to position themselves to make it seem as if they are these, uh, you know, they, they are for the people. They are for freedom and all of this stuff when they are for everything. But I think yeah. I, I, to touch on, I know it's a sensitive subject. People don't like it. And I'm not even going to come out about it politically. But I, I agree with you in two different ways, is that um, if you look at uh, the 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 same people who will come down on you for being anti-abortion, say, are the people who believe they would also be anti-colonial um, and anti-slavery. Yeah. And actually, if you look at contemporary writings from those times, they say things like those native populations aren't really human. They don't right. really have a soul. Like it's the exact same rhetoric or we have to do this to stand in the way of progress of this other group of people. Like now they would be the women. Nazis. Yes. That's the thing. They would, would be, the be the Nazis. And then and then on the other side, not to take sides left and right, but I noticed that like when Trump came along or when my experiences was a very conservative radio station where I have the callers. So I was a libertarian talking to conservatives. I would say, look, you guys think that you would be the revolutionaries. 
But you don't have the courage to not vote for the lesser of two evils. Like you could just not vote for those people and vote for Ron Paul or vote for my, you know, you think you would have been a gun toting, give up my life and fortune revolutionary. And you're telling me that you're literally, it's too dangerous to vote for Ron Paul. So, you know, people think of themselves so differently from that little bit of courage. And I and I really think this whole world would be going differently. This whole COVID thing would be going differently if people just if that balance of courage were just a little bit different, just a little bit different. But I did want to ask you about that. How is this new world affecting independent artists like you, the uh, you know, to make a living, to feed your man? I that I would hope this would be the, if not the biggest, uh, wake-up call for artists for both looking at the state that they worship and also looking into the deals that they have entered in. Um, these are two primary things that I highlight as an independent musician. Um, and being is why it's, it's important to you know own your own music and and all of that. And while also you know understanding that the state is not there to help you in any regards. Um, and you could see that and you think after all of this, people would understand this, but obviously our industry has been hit the hardest. Uh, if not the hardest is one of the, the hardest because a lot of us that are in our tier, they are like, their job is to perform, right? They're not making records or making money off of the records. Their job is literally to go perform, um, sell merchandise on the tour, uh, and th- and that's the only way that they stay afloat. And that has been completely stripped away from so many different artists. And we don't even know what's going to be on the other side of this. Everybody keeps ask- asking for album two for backwards. And we plan to drop it this year, but we can't. It'd be su- career suicide to sit there and drop a, a second album without being able to get on the road. So it, it-, it sucks. And thankfully, you know, I'm in a position uh, because of the millions of other things that I'm involved in, I was always going to be fine. Um, but I can't say the same for a lot of people that not necessarily my band members, but a lot of people that aren't in that are in our, our genre. And it, it just sucks to see how this happens. And I've always have to create like just to let people know to stop misspeaking rather about who's stopping this from happening. People keep blaming the virus per se. And I'm like, it's not the virus. Your state, your government did that. Um, And they are the ones that are making it essentially illegal for us to operate. A lot of venues are not getting on the other side of this. There is no, oh, well, we can shut down for seven months and then come back. They're gone. Like they hung it up for good. And it sucks for me to see that uh, time and time again. It's like every week there's a new venue that we had performed at. And I'm saying like they post some big post and they're like, man, we're done. Like, you know. Thanks for trying. We tried to do like a, a little restaurant, uh, give it to go plates and stuff like that to stay afloat, but it's simply not working. So, um, you know, good luck type of stuff. And and when I constantly see that, I would think if anything, the situation would have people question the government. But the problem is a lot of people don't see it that way. Uh, and looking at who is the actual problem, they, for whatever reason, think that the 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 response was necessary um, and they don't look at the fact, well, it's the government that is shutting us down and making it illegal for us to essentially do business. It ain't the virus. Yeah. And actually, I would t- hit it from both sides. One is they don't have the legal authority, even if Bingo. it were the virus. But the virus itself there, it isn't unequivocal science or that's all you would ever see. But my my husband's job is also 
in the business of live entertainment. And I'm like super worried. I, I just have no idea where it's coming. I mean, I feel like I have a better grip on understanding like how serious and long-term this is because I feel like there's something else afoot. Like a lot of the people we know are just waiting to find out when the vaccine is coming. And if, you know, if people are staying home and wearing masks and they're going to put an end to this. And I'm thinking it's not about that. It's about something more fundamental. So I'm hunkering down with, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't see what the other side's going to be like. I'm uh, worried about it, but I wondered if, so it, it could, there is a chance that it would benefit independent artists, middle tier artists. If those really big shows are no longer viable or if, so if big venues have to seat fewer people or the smaller venues are the ones, I mean, then there could be like kind of an evening of the playing field. That is a possibility, which would be good. But I also worry that if it transitions kind of to where it's less touring that, that pays and more just have to release the stuff digitally Will that increase the censorship? Because they're, they're, now that everything has to go through a digital pipe, even this yeah. conversation, even if we were just friends now, that we would have a cocktail party over Zoom, you know? Yeah. So, virtual I mean, co concerts. They've been having virtual concerts. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, um, I think that's the biggest question is what's going to happen on the other side of this. Like, how much has the industry's changed? Or is it going to change as the market tries to? It may not be an actual return on what it was. Um, at least I don't look at. I would never look at any situation like that anyway, just because. Um, if I would rather, I would hope these guys are assessing the situation and like, okay, you know, this happened and we were dead to rights. Is there any way that we can do that? Try to apply some sort of fail safe in the event that something like that happens. And then that goes to what deals are these guys jumping in, uh, merch cuts and, and all of this sort of stuff. We may see a completely restructuring of the, of the, um, of the industry, which would be a positive thing. Absolutely. As I, I was talking about this with the education system, I was like, I, I would hope that people looked at this situation and yeah, it may suck, but you know, you look at now more than ever, people are more ripe to find like alternative forms of education as opposed to the public school system. So I would hope people would utilize this situation. This is why I say that the conservative I, I, on the blaze, I'm always grilling them about this and how they had an opportunity or have and still have an opportunity to uh, attack the public education system as much as they've they ever have. And instead of actually arguing for it, um, they, they are actually trying to get kids put back in those indoctrination camps. Uh, and it's like, man, you had an opportunity and you're blowing it right now by playing right into the, the left's hand in, in that regard. So I don't know what the music industry is going to do. It's going to do some sort of restructuring, uh, but it's going to be dumb. I hate to be as blunt as this, but a lot of these artists are not smart people, man. Um, and that's why they're in the bad deals that they're in. So, uh, um, for us, what we've had a lot of talk about is just looking at because a lot of the stuff we had already done. Um, but it, it's like, OK, what can we do to make sure that we're remaining afloat and take take advantage of all of our opportunities to in the event some crazy thing happens, we'll still be able to uh, this will be a lucrative sort of avenue. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of comedy shows where it's. 80% less, they've cut capacity 
which a lot of venues aren't that big anyway. Right. So that can get down to like 10, 15 people spaced out across the room. Part of doing comedy is that laughter bouncing yeah. off the room. Yeah. And I know that they've tried to do outdoor shows, which it hasn't gone you know, that well. Because outdoor shows for comedy, it's just it's usually doesn't go that well. It doesn't yeah. work. And they're trying a lot of new things. And not, not much has seemed to be sticking yet. Well, the question J.J. Boogie had is to, it, what – should is did you have any ideas of how to kind of take the power back on the other side if they continue lockdown or re-lockdown? He asks if should people just start doing their own shows uh, randomly set up and promote somewhere risking getting arrested? Like how how far is it worth going? And and that's the that's the golden question. I mean, I would love and I, I don't really care about, you know, who, who even hears this. I, I told I talked about this with Tom Woods. Like at any given moment, if a venue was like, "Yeah, it may be illegal for us to do this, but we want to put on the show, um, and we don't care what happens," sign me up. Sign me up. I'd do it. I'd do it here. I wouldn't even hesitate. I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd be like, the band will will will, will make it happen because I think, and I've talked about this with the whole lockdown thing in general. This probably doesn't end until there's like mass forms of civil disobedience, to be completely honest, um, because they're finding that they can get away with a lot. So as long as they have tricked you into being scared. So I think that's what's go- I, I know that the risk of getting arrested and all that sort of stuff sucks. But I think after enough people just say, look, bros, we're going on with our lives. We're not just going to sit here and continue to take losses, continue to. Um, not be around people, continue to to not drop music, not tour, not perform. We're, we're done with that. And that's just a way to do it. Now, obviously, the digitized thing, that all speaks to to people owning their music. And a lot of people don't have that luxury like we have our luxury and being able to own everything that we publishing on down. Like we could put out we could put out a record right now and there's nobody calling the shots. You know what I mean? And And, and a lot of bands just don't have that that luxury. And even if they don't think it's smart to put it out for their careers, which I can totally understand that they're forced to put it out because the label's like, we got to get something out and they're going to make the money off of it. You're not going to make anything off of it. So it, it's, a, it just depends on where you're at. Like with the rest of the development, those guys are in, I think a decent enough position to be able to do whatever they want. Uh, but I know most bands aren't you know it's just so many other things that they have to take into consideration before pulling a record and this is why i'm always say, uh, encouraging bands to definitely if, if you get out of the deal that you're previously in don't renew it don't try to find a new label don't do that start thinking of ways how you can become truly independent as an artist and, and putting out your own, own own stuff what better time than now what do you think is the barrier to people doing that? Is it just another one of those thought barriers or is there some big thing that really needs to be broken down for them to get that? Well, there's the industry standard and everybody, all their friends do it. And it does take a lot of work to do what it is that we did. Don't make mistake because right, okay. you're talking about pocket. You're talking about uh, putting your minds together and, 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 and being able to sort of have an idea come to life all the stuff that 
what the most things to, to me at least labels give you aren't really worth a crap how it generally works anyway is they give you an advance uh, uh most of that money oh, is yeah. going to go to your pr- <laughs> producer and uh, uh, that's going to produce the album and all of that that money you have to make all of that stuff back before you ever see a dime from the actual record anyway so a, a lot of that is the label comes with a certain form of security and if you like the idea of being in front of people, then the 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 whole thing with the label is an enticing thing. If you like the idea, because the label is going to, they're going to try to get you on all the tours. They're going to get you, put you in people's faces and all of that. But to me, that trade-off isn't necessarily worth it anymore, considering that I could upload something right now and have thousands upon thousands of views on it uh, without having to ever funnel this crap through whatever the labels were. That that that, that day and time is is gone, where you used to have to go through a label to get your – you had to go through the radio station. Those days are gone. Those days are long gone, and, and the industry hasn't woke up to it. It seems to me that the – that in across the board, what's happening right now as middle and smaller companies and people just kind of have to fall to the wayside and bigger companies have that kind of capitalization to keep it going or the government will start funding them, that a lot of industries are taking advantage of this, or I think they will. I don't even think they realize it, but I think on the other side, they will really get to be oligopolies, just a few players. And my guess is one thing that I noticed about LA, I live in LA now, and the whole place is just emptying out. And uh, Tweep said to me like, hey, they it might be just like what they do with the stock market sometimes. They just bottom it out and then go in and hoover it all up because they they can see that coming. They have a longer time frame. They might try to do that with the artists as well. Like people might start entering into the worst possible deals and just Ooh, a yeah. short time through, you know, that you could come back up. Maybe that's the opportunity when things are rock bottom to actually take it. You know, you have less to lose, but on the other hand, fear will really drive people to sell themselves short. And when you're at a bottom. Oh, that's when, when you're desperate, you know, and that's what, that's what they've been banking on before. And it makes a lot more sense for them to do it, especially now, because a lot of these youngsters, definitely the younger uh, artists they're desperate you know for that success they want to get it it is enticing to be in front of it. all of these hundreds of people on the biggest tours and you're like oh man that that, that that's going to be me or that can be me and a label can of course help you in, in, in doing that and the deals a lot of the deals make absolutely the industry standard deals make no sense whatsoever when you consider a lot of the power that individuals have right now Within the music industry, it makes no sense for people to entering the de- enter into the deals that they're entering into. None whatsoever. Uh, I know, I know. Binkley has a another entertainment-related question, but I just wanted one more political thing, and mm-hmm. then I'll pass that off. So, I see everything from uh, the COVID to the pedophilia stuff for Q to the race BLM riot stuff. I see all of those things as addressing like real genuine ills, social ills, psychological ills, but, or I should say exploiting genuine ills for political purposes without any basis whatsoever in trying to right those ills. Like if they could actually solve any of those problems left or right, they wouldn't like abortion. Like I really don't think they would ever that the Republicans want 
Roe versus Wade to be overturned because then they don't get to say, we bring you $4 trillion deficits. But look, Amy Coney Barrett has a child who has Down syndrome, right. like I do. Uh, but, you know, they can they always use these things as political levers. And I just I see for me, like the whole this whole year has just been one massive exploitive psyop after another, I think, to usher in this great reset from the World Economic Forum. I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you go. Mm-hmm. But do you do you see things that way? I mean, I know you take a big picture view and I wonder, do you see any anything but that, but just naked politics? Well, that's yeah, that's the sort of the the world and we live in. And of course, the elites are a lot smarter than a lot of people give them credit for because they know that they they recognize that. People are emotionally tied to some of these ideas, emotionally tied to the and even if there's a slither of legitimacy to some of their gripes, it does not benefit them. As we were talking about earlier, it doesn't benefit them to solve the problems. It doesn't at all. Definitely, I, you know, I obviously hammer this home with the leftists and that they they them they want to keep you in this idea of oppression. They want you to keep because they, they don't they cease to exist if your issues are solved, more specifically, if you can resolve your own personal issues through your own economic um, uh, approaches or even psychological or you change something about you. And from an individual standpoint, you're able to move your world instead of having someone uh, Democrat or something move your world for you. Can't have that. They don't want that, which is why they're always constantly perpetuating this sort of nonsense in which they want to have you stuck where it is that you are so they can give legitimacy to their own power. Right. Like, well, look at me. I'm here to save the day. And if you support me, I will I will give you this and all of these other things. And if that were to be solved, they would cease to exist as politicians, as leaders, as they call themselves or whatever it is that they're doing. And and, and they won't stop that. So they have they can't resolve the problem. They know they can't resolve the problem. But what they can do is gain political and social power, economic power off your own perceived, let's say, oppression or anything like that. They depend on the problem existing for their own existence. Bingo. Yeah, that's totally true. And I would say that they are smart, very smart, smarter than people give them credit. And I do think I start to sense that what you were saying, like people will will uh, get sick of the lockdown, take the power back if they push them that far. And I think they are so smart that they're starting to pull back on that Mm. right now. I'm a little bit afraid that they're going to switch from lockdowns. So they are building in Canada, for example, isolation facilities so that they can take people out of society Mm. instead of just locking down the entire thing. So I'm a little worried that they're just that clever. So I always try to stay one step ahead of it. But I think Binkley is going to bring us to a lighter place, right? Well, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay, sorry. I, look at, I love your setup, Come by on, the way. You got Thank the, you. The Thank you. Book. Appreciate that. It's great, man. I, I'm a huge – I like comic book movies, and I, I'm not a gamer. My friends are gamers. I just get on the headset and talk trash while they're playing. <laughs> and and uh, I, 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 I see the culture being changed or attempts to change it through some comic book films and mm. so, even the games and stuff. I saw that you made a video about how to how to fix the Avengers games. Yeah. I, I guess yesterday. Do mm. do you see you see this propaganda coming like cha- the changing of the culture coming through film and television? Oh, and man, that's that's where they get all these youngsters at, man. Like uh, youngsters and folks my age and uh, yeah, like because 
definitely look definitely with gaming right it becomes a it seems like every year right more billions of billions of dollars are being pumped into this industry because more and more people are into it that were never into it before but you're seeing that so much a lot of my material is centered around pointing that out this propaganda that's being pumped through all of these books and 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 the game like i freaking playstation 4 to, to like yesterday, I believe, came out with some stupid Black Lives Matter theme, right? Like that's how the I couldn't even play last year's FIFA without me getting some stupid message that said Black <laughs> Lives Matter, uh, and all. It was like, what? I'm not playing this for for this for this garbage. Like I play this to get away from all of this trash. Yeah, but I mean, they put Kaepernick in Madden. Do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they put Kaepernick in Madden. Another one. Yeah, it's like. They absolutely are going to use this uh, for political purpose, for social purpose. We talked about this on on my channel. I mean, time and time again, how we're seeing more and more examples of this. And it's making for bad art. It's making for bad entertainment. Let's be completely honest. You know, because what happens is the the political theme uh, or social theme overshadows the actual talent. So what they're doing is they're like, okay, I want to make this social statement. Right. So I'm going to just I mean, spread it all over the, your face, like in the book or in this movie or, or, or something of that nature. And it makes out for an awful movie, uh, awful entertainment, awful uh, game experience or story within the game. And they don't seem to realize that, which is hilarious because we saw this with Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey was a, a, a book that I was an absolute fan of. These fools go on the campaign trail talking about how this is supposed to be a feminist film is what they said that it yeah. that it was and, and all of this stuff that obviously your core comic book audience probably isn't even that nonetheless but they went around lecturing like this this whole idea like ewan mcgregor he, he was obviously had a big role in it and he was going around saying that that that's what it was it was about trying to lecture men about this it's like I don't think people actually want to watch that. Yeah, yeah, watch exactly. that garbage. I don't think that's what they're interested in. Obviously, the movie ended up flopping uh, because of that. But what's yeah, they're spending millions of money. And what sucks is that when they do fail, because people are like, I don't want this. I don't want I don't want to consume this form of media. They blame everybody else, like the racist white people or the misogynists or or some other Nazis. God forbid it'd be anything wrong with their untalented behinds and, and them and how they make their make their art so it sucks to see a lot of that mainly because what they're doing is and this is why i call them parasites uh because and they are the actual virus definitely these advocates of social justice because what they do is they take established brands uh and and they screw them up like they, it hardly is it their own material that they original uh, concepts that they came up with quite often it's something like Batman or something like like yeah. that everybody already knows is recognizable and then they run it into the ground and again because it gets ran into the ground or the books aren't selling nearly to what they were it's like well it's because comic book audiences are racist or, or sexist or some nonsense like that it's crazy I've noticed that they'll build up a great HBO show, whatever you watch it for the first year or two, you get completely yeah. sucked in and then it totally jumps the shark with a bunch of garbage. And you really, you want to just like break the addiction, but you've been so sucked in that it takes you like a That's whole season yeah. to get over it. And and I always wondered, which was it is that they knew it was dying anyway. And they decided to just like fire all their guns at once. But I don't think so. I think it, they build it up and make it good to suck you in and plant that stuff in your 
your brain. It's just like, it's like attaching a message to a celebrity that everybody likes. Is yeah. it a comic book or a character that everybody already likes and you know you're going to have that built-in audience and so you can get them there and then you can start feeding in the propaganda. I mean some of these comic book stories, they just completely change. They just oh, have man. the title. It's like Watchmen. Yeah. The show oh, Watchmen my God. Just, just, they just changed it completely. <sighs> Yeah, it's not even Watchmen. It's not. It, it's. I don't know what the what in the world that is. I've talked about uh, all of these comic book characters that appear. It's like they are only there in name. Uh, yeah. It's not even them. It's not. It's not even them because they're so hell bent on 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 the the. I guess this is what it is is laziness. But they're so hell bent on putting out whatever narrative it is that they want to put out there that they are willing to destroy established brand. But that's the only way that it'll get off the ground in the first place. They know that they can't start their own stuff that's completely right. original that nobody ever heard of and then start putting that garbage out there. No, they have to have something that you recognize or you already enjoy and right. then run that into the ground because you would obviously oh well I'm a fan of Batman. I'm a fan of this character. Therefore, um, you know, I, I'm going to go pick this up. And you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean Batman simping for, like, Catwoman <laughs> or something? Like, what, what is this? Like, that's what like, well, wait, This is yeah. Batman, but, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. Is is this an opportunity for independent producers, or is it, is this, can they do this because they have distribution sewn up so well? I mean, how, how do they get away with it? How come it's it doesn't It's absolutely topple? an opportunity, and you're seeing this with comic books. Uh, you see it with, uh, like, you know, groups like, like Comics Gators and, and, and so forth that are, like, on Andy Gogo having completely independent, and I mean, like, Ethan Van Skyver is a good friend of mine, formerly wrote for DC, he wrote a lot of Green Lantern stuff, I also wrote for, uh, you know, Marvel, did some X-Men stuff back in the day, and he, his, one of his, uh, Cyber Frog is the name of his book, he's made a million dollars off of that book, a mil- like, like, you can't, and I think he's on, what, the second, one of his second installments, and I think, like, the first day he, he announced the the campaign. It's like three hundred thousand. Like these writers aren't making anywhere near that in the actual industry. Writing for DC or writing for Marvel, so they don't understand that they are incentivizing alternatives to come up. Oh yes, and how much less do you have to sell when you produce it yourself? So for a viable hyper commercial product, it needs to knock the cover off. It's got to have two commas in in it right yeah. off the bat. But if you do it yourself, it could be just a fraction because, yeah, that I've seen that happen before. And uh, and maybe people just need to open their eyes to that because it's worth your time if if you don't need to be that huge just to make a living. Oh, no, there's so much opportunity out there. And the big guys don't even I think they're cocky enough to not understand. I think that's why a lot of those comics comics pros, for the most part, hate people like uh, EVS or all these other independent artists because they're, they're out, they're, they're selling more, like they're selling yeah. more books than them. But more importantly, probably they're making more money than them. It's more lucrative for them to write the book and do the artwork for, for that particular book. Um, just because of the economic setup of them distributing it for the most part independently uh, uh, through themselves, and obviously not having to go through, you know, getting just paid for the service by way of DC or Marvel. It's creating a lot of opportunities for people. And that's what I'm actually going to be entering in, in that field soon and writing my own book for that exact reason, because it's lucrative, man. It's lucrative. Well, it could bust the model, which would be great. Absolutely. And even if they counterpunch with like censorship and how they're really may have a completely controlled internet distribution, there are opportunities during transitions like that. While mm-hmm. you're busting the model, you can take your 
little, um, you know, your nest egg off the table because that's what those guys do. They don't care that they're destroying the model because they're taking so much off the table along the way. Right. And then they can come back later. But I want to respect your time. It's had such a fun and wide ranging oh, conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Like, do you have anything else that you? No, I'm good. Have? Yeah, I think I'm good. It was that's great. so great. This way, maybe you'll say that yes next time. I don't want to take up oh, too much of your time. Oh, I'll do it again. Any, anytime you want me, just give me a holler. I love to do it. I love to do it. It's super, super fun. I just like being able, being able to touch on things from all different directions and that's especially the very big picture. That's so what it's about. Thank you so, so much. And, uh, and you know, hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Oh, we'll hey, see. Eric, oh? what should, since we're going to put this through our audio, what is the best way for people to find kind of all your material? Oh, they go to the website, ericdjuly.com. ericdjuly.com has everything, all the tabs linked to something that it is that I do. So all the millions of things, they just go there as a one-stop shop. They can get everything there. That's all I needed. Batman, right. your favorite character? Yes, he actually is. Yeah, he's my favorite. That's my favorite comic book character. As an adult, when I was a kid, it was Flash. Uh, like but yeah, but as an adult, for sure, Batman. Is Trump yeah. Batman? It's Trump, Batman, <laughs> billionaire by day, superhero by night. Hey, hey, that's that's a, maybe. I never really thought of it like that. I never thought of it like that. You made me own something there. <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Peace out. See y'all later.